There it is, Psalm 96, 1 and 2. May we read it together. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. We're going to pray together on the theme taken from Psalm 51 tonight and we'll be meeting at the Lord's table is uh, confession. It's good for the soul. I was always taught that as a young child and uh, we're going to come in prayer now and that will be the theme of our service. So may we pray together. To read the conclusion of Psalm 33 We wait in hope for the Lord He is our help and our shield In Him our hearts rejoice for we trust in His holy name May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord even as we put our hope in You and Lord we want to do that tonight as in some ways a service like this is more reflective as we think about ourselves more personally about our relationship with you first of all and then our relationship with each other and Lord we thank you for a, a real sense of well-being for your generous grace and goodness and mercy that you have lavished on us through the Lord Jesus and we thank you for this bank holiday period and we ask that in our homes with our families and communities that there will be a real awareness of deeper relationships fostering of grace and faith and authentic love we come to you tonight and we think of this theme you are the God of the cross so in these moments we offer now to you all who are in need for those who feel forsaken by you and those they love we ask that you would bless them and us with courage that goes beyond human fear and once more with that faith that goes beyond doubt Lord as we were thinking this morning of the great theme of peace your peace that goes beyond terror and indeed the very life that we have that goes beyond death we thank you Lord Jesus that your love does not abandon us so hear our prayers and we pray that your spirit would guide us throughout our worship this night lead us O Lord we pray and we do so for the glory of your name Amen, Amen. Terry is going to read us. Well, we're going to read Psalm 51 uh, with its really helpful introduction, and it's on the on the in the Church Bible. It's page 573. 
So in God's precious word, we're introduced to this psalm, uh, telling us uh, that it's for the directed music, it's the psalm of David, and then the serious nature of the material, as all, all God's word, but this particularly so. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. You know, when you get old, you can start reflecting on things. You've just reminded me of my father who listened to Mr. Williams who, um, well, my memory of him was when he st- introduced the sermon by saying, God spoke to me. You better come back here, lad. You couldn't sit there. <laughs> God spoke to me in the bus tonight. I knew he hadn't done any preparation. It would take him a long time to say very little. And on one occasion, he did say to my father, Mr. Stedman, did you enjoy the pure milk of the word tonight? And I still remember to this day my father saying, I did, but I prefer it condensed. <laughs> it's true. It is true. He did say it. And 
And on one occasion his television broke down. This would be about 55 years ago. You know, they did break down a lot in those days. And his television was being repaired. Uh, it's taken a long time. And it was his television to pay for the engineer. So he went took him a cup of tea and a biscuit and said, Don't forget, I'm only a poor preacher of the gospel. And the engineer looked up and said, I know, I've heard you. <laughs> so I... No, he... Rob, that, that's your fault for... I didn't mean to say all that. If you're used, I'm up front you. Anyway, we're in Psalm 51. And uh, it should come up. And we're thinking of this theme of uh, confession. As I was saying, it's good for the soul. And uh, we're going to look at this. It's been part of the series we've been pursuing. And this is the last uh, tonight. As we've been looking in what we call the hymn book of the Bible. The book of Psalms. And... Um, I came across an interesting, not so much a statistic, but an observation that um, with regard to psalms of confession, specific psalms, here's an interesting uh, observation. We looked at psalms of lament, and in our Christian lives there are times when we need to express grief and sorrow because events are so overwhelming, and there are 40 classic psalms of lament in the book of Psalms. Interestingly, as to the psalms specifically of confession, there are but seven that somewhat surprised me. Uh, Psalm 6, uh, 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, 143. Those are specific psalms of confession. Clearly there are references to uh, forgiveness and confession throughout many of the psalms interspersed with praise and various others however that's uh, an interesting observation the small number of psalms seven in total of psalms of confession are an interesting number in contrast to many others our focus tonight is on this classic, which is Psalm 51. Um, it's a classic on confession, and it's, um, it's widely used in Christian worship. Uh, I did an interesting thing, and I'm in a sort of a coming of age for me. I googled um, miserere, and uh, a lovely um, Gregorian chant came when I clicked, and um, it was uh, Christchurch Cathedral, with the choir singing. And miserere, is, is the Latin for have mercy. Christ have mercy. And God is merciful to us. And that's the whole pivotal point of this psalm, that God is merciful. It's not human merit, but his goodness. If you keep Psalm 51 open in front of you, let's just have a little, just a, a few minutes um, to see how we've got a series of small sections which are linked in a sort of a, a coherent progression. Okay? Uh, so you have a number of themes and key words that tie various sections together. For example, you have um, uh, wash, quote-unquote, in 2 and 7. But look at the way that, uh, let's come back to Psalm 51, this comes out. Look, uh, we're thinking of this term, wash. Okay? Verse 2 and 7. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. 
verse 7 cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow and you get this theme mentioned and repeated again and, and you have that with things like uh, so we were looking at wash 2 and 7 cleanse again variation on the same theme and repeated and blot out you have that for example look at verse 1 have mercy upon me God according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out remove my transgression and then you you have it also uh, in verse 9 hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity do you see what the psalmist is doing so it's this, this coherent progression that's what it's called and there are many others the reference to the spirit and salvation and presence are all there and it would be fascinating to uh, spend a little time just thinking about that but that's not uh, what we're going to do tonight because just to have um, a sort of a not an overview but to focus upon the psalm in its totality as it unfolds before us so this is David's prayer of confession uh, Terry's rightly reminded after Nathan confronts him with his sins life had gone on quite well he learned to adapt and accommodate his feelings. He probably still wrote psalms during his time of what Christians would call his backslidden period. He was distanced from God and he wasn't in fellowship with God's people. So out of that comes just, and it's convenient to just have three headings. It's very personal. So the headings run like this, verses 1 to 7, cleanse me. Verses 8 to 12, restore me. And then, not surprisingly, the rest of the psalm, use me. And there is clearly an obvious progression then. Hopefully that will help us as well as we use this psalm for our own uh, Christian experience and help with, with confession. So, cleanse me verses 1 to 7 what if you like what dirt is to the body sin is to the soul or the inner person so David felt not just exposed but defiled by what he had done he found it easy to be annoyed and aggrieved and upset by other people's sins and live comfortably with his own that's a, that's a form of hypocrisy and none of us can say that we haven't been there it wasn't an accident sometimes we do things wrong that's inadvertent and unintentional perhaps things that we say and so on it, this isn't like that this is calculated this is deliberate, it's measured, it's willful rebellion against God. It was his choice. He knew what he was doing. He clearly didn't know the consequences because he didn't think about them. And now David can appeal only, only to the mercy and the grace and love of God. It isn't how many great psalms he could say you know I've written Psalm 23 and you know if I've inspired and I've helped people I've brought people out of the darkness to light look at my track record surely this slight uh, wayward event you'll understand you weigh up these it's not like that it's not like that 
That's all that he can do is to appeal to the mercy of God. And so you have then verse 2 and 7, blot out. Blot out. Interesting term. Uh, if you think about it, essentially it, it's a reference to a debt that must be paid. The creditors are coming. You have to pay. And he can't pay. There is no other good enough to pay the price of sin, the hymn writer says. He can't. So his appeal, twice. Blot out. Now try to capture for a moment this interesting psalm, the tension, if you like, or the, the sharp contrast that you have in verses 3 to 7. Just for a moment. And the two brief subheadings, if you like. The first, that here is mankind, humanity, here is David in a personal way, exposed, found out, public shame, and so on. It's essentially, human nature is sinful. Now we have to be careful when we say that. What he's saying here is this. It doesn't mean people are not capable of doing good. But the goodness that we are capable of can't merit forgiveness. That's what he's saying. I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against me, you all, against you, you only have I sinned. Is that true? Think of the hurt that we do to other people. It's the question in the home group. You see it in, on, on the notice sheet. Of course we hurt other people. But what he's saying essentially when he's come face to face with himself is this that ultimately my sin is before God and I've grieved him supremely supremely and where's the contrast if you like the tension well the second heading is this that God is intrinsically divine he is holy in contrast to humanity it is the nature of God that yes he is love but he is holy love and that gives meaning, of course, to the cross of which David wouldn't have understood. Though we see the picture or the shadow of the cross for sure in, in these words. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. It's very personal, isn't it? Cleanse me. Come to the next heading. And he now says, restore me. It's not like, okay, you did something wrong, you said sorry, don't do it again or you're in trouble. I'm sure some of you might have said that to your children. I suspect you have. That's not what we are talking about here. He's saying, yes, uh, I've been cleansed, I've been forgiven, but now what I want, I want a restoration of fellowship with you. I want my fellowship to be restored to what it was before I went into the wasteland. So look at verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. And this is the, so we'll sing this in a moment. Create in me a pure heart, O God. It's a great prayer, isn't it? We were thinking this morning when John, John Lilly was saying to us, it's, it's a heart issue. It's a classic thing, isn't it? Heart of the problem. Problem of the heart. Always. Everywhere. Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now thankfully, the, 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 the believer, through the coming of the spirit permanently, doesn't need to 
pray in the same way verse 11 take not your Holy Spirit from me however the Christian can so grieve the Spirit by things we do and say and as a result grieve our relationship with God think of it like this the impact of sin is comprehensive and if, if, if I want to go through these very quickly but we could, we could dwell on these right so verse 3 his eyes verse 6 his mind verse 7 his ears his bones or his whole physiology if you like number 10 verse 10 his heart and spirit 14 his actions 15 his lips and that, where, where such is the high cost notice now not just of sin but of unconfessed sin to the whole point here that it's impact all of that now it's easy to go through life isn't it to blame other people blame our parents our upbringing or all that sort of thing but wait a minute the impact of sin is so comprehensive that we need a restoration of relationship back with God of course through the Lord Jesus but that is and I repeat again that is the high cost of unconfessed sin David wants if, if you like and I don't want to minimize not only and that's a bad term to use not merely forgiveness but complete restoration you can grudgingly forgive somebody but still have a dislike to them he said I want our love to be restored in verses 10 to 12 it's what you call deep joy C.S. Lewis longed all his life um, for what he called deep church uh, he was in many ways a genius uh, and, and quite unique and yet it was deep church and whether he ever experienced that we don't know from his writings but here it is deep joy not just a surface thing not just saying the right things but doing the right things and so you have this look create in me a pure heart renew a steadfast spirit within me verse 12 restore to me the joy of your salvation that which I've lost I want to regain and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me in, let me put it in New Testament terms because this is uh, clearly a psalm he lost the blessing of the Holy Spirit that's a very subjective thing you know do we really love the Lord with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind have we lost something this wonderful blessing of his his favor, his grace, his smile upon us. That's the, this is very subjective language. It's relational. Lost the blessing of the Holy Spirit. You have that in verse, verse 11. And, and the Lord needs to restore and renew to David all that he had lost. But here's an interesting thing. Here we are tonight with all of our capacities for good or ill and our experience and so on for all of this there is no there's nothing implied that he lived happily ever after I don't think it works like that 
and there were serious consequences. The only cross-reference, turn to Second Samuel. If you can't find it, just listen, it doesn't matter. Second Samuel 12, it's the whole account of, of Nathan, who with this searing parable that is so emotive, here's a man, he's got flocks and herds, he's exceedingly wealthy, and a traveller comes and he takes the one ewe lamb that belonged to a poor man and killed it and served this traveller. And you can read it for yourself, but in verse 5, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely the law lives, the man who did this deserves to die. And at that point David becomes aware he is looking in a mirror. What an awakening. Nathan says to him, you're the man but we take up the reading that's the background look in verse 12 and Nathan says to him you did this in secret speaking on behalf of the Lord in this reply you did this in secret but I will do this in broad daylight before all Israel then David said to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But because by doing this, you have made the enemy of the Lord show utter contempt, upon, utter contempt, the son born to you will die. Does that give you a problem? It wasn't the fault of the child, was it? And then you read the whole account. And many people would say when they look at the life of David who's influenced some, not all, many of the Psalms that did he ever regain what he had lost and it just shows you the, the challenge for us in terms of our relationship with, with God we are forgiven we are renewed we are restored but there are consequences and even in those, God can bring good. Do you remember perhaps the, 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 a lovely point in the life of Joseph when he'd had such a raw deal, he'd been put in prison, been falsely accused, and he sees his brothers who disliked him so much, and he says to them, you intended to harm me, and you did big time. But God meant it for good. There were consequences, but God can overrule even in consequences. Cleanse me, restore me, and lastly, use me. Is, is it all over? No, no. If it were, none of us would be able to do or say anything. Use me. And so look at verse 13 to the end. Then. What a lovely word that is. Then. It's the tipping word, isn't it? Not till then. Now I come. I will teach transgressors your ways, even I, and sinners will turn back to you. We do wonder, don't we, why more and more people are not coming really to know the Saviour like this. And so he makes this prayer. Now Lord, this time you open my lips. You open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. The consequences of human sin are contrasted with God's amazing salvation. God's abundant grace. And you see what's the impact of this? 
if the Lord opens my lips two things I'm ready to witness then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you turn back to you does that imply that think of people who become disillusioned perhaps with church or, or disillusioned with fellow Christians so they've given up what a fertile ground that is for us to restore people and to encourage people rather than criticize them sinners will turn back to you so verse 13 is to witness to live out our lives and to worship so verse 15 open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise and maybe this is a flashback to this whole idea of sacrifice in that parable that Nathan gave and now he's if you like we use this word here is David he's facing his demons good thing to do the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise whether it's bulls on the altar or lambs or herds of sheep or cattle it's an issue of the heart it's an issue of the heart so we close 16 and 17 is very strong Old Testament language but where does he end it's not the external it's the thing of the heart it's the thing of the heart and so here's this wonderful statement and he's discovered this the sacrifice the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart God you will not despise the sincerity the authenticity of what we say and do he has shown you a man what is good what does the Lord require of you do justly love mercy walk humbly before your God it's a lovely psalm isn't it psalm of, of, of confession a classic in many ways not to make us feel guilty but to pour grace into our lives and we have mercy to help in our time of need cleanse me restore me how amazing you'd say after all I've done use me use me and he can he can but because of what we are despite what we are I guess I hope that we can use this psalm and in the course now of our worship merge into think about the Lord's table is a shadow of it here and see how we can know what it is to be cleansed restored and made useful to the Lord group are going to lead us and no surprise that we are going to begin with this create in me it's a prayer really it is very much a prayer a clean heart oh God uh, we, I came earlier this evening and they were playing and Alexander's got a new viola and, uh, thank you I knew it was, um, and it sounds really very nice do you want to play through the first verse for us, uh, Rob and then sorry to embarrass you I didn't mean to do that but um, it was just lovely to listen to them rehearsing
opportunity to pray now if you'd like to sit down. Just included this as part of our worship to think of what we've heard from Psalm 51 and to bring ourselves before the Lord. So let's pray together. Just reminded us that there's a a high cost, there's a high impact of unconfessed sin and it can distance us from God. I'd like to encourage you with some words from Hebrews. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, <coughs> let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Lord, we come and we quietly ask that you would cleanse us, that you would blot out our sins and you would forgive us. And Lord, we ask that you would restore us. That you would restore our fellowship with you. That you would restore your Holy Spirit to us. And Lord, we ask, please, that you would use us, that you would open our lips so that we may declare your praise and your salvation in our lives. Amen. I hope the transition to the Lord's table is an easy one for us in the light of the theme and we come now to break of the bread and once more share together. This is the great leveller for all believers, isn't it? So now that the supper of the Lord is spread before us, may we lift up our minds and hearts above all faithless fears and cares that we may have and this night this bread, this wine, let them be the signs of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the love of God and of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as once more we consecrate our lives afresh to God and pray for strength and grace to bear and to do his 
holy will. Just a moment of quiet and then we give thanks for the bread and for the cup. Claire is going to lead us in thanksgiving for the bread. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that we can be here this evening as your people coming around this table and receiving from you again. We thank you, Lord, that you restore and refresh us mm. as often as we need it. Father, thank you for your great mercies. Thank you for the work you did on the cross. May you bless this to us this evening in your precious name. Mm. Amen. Amen. So the bread that we break is a participation in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one and we partake of this one loaf and in the breaking of this it's a reminder not only of the Lord's broken body but of our unity by the grace of God. So eat of this bread with thanksgiving and feed in your hearts by faith on the Lord Jesus. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my body which is broken for you, Jesus said. Eat of the bread as you receive it and give thanks. The moment we receive the cup of blessing and as we pause, Ken is going to give thanks for this. Lord, the psalmist has said, purify me with hyssop and then I will be clean. Cleanse me, O God. And Lord, we've all stood in that place in our lives many times. And time and time again, Lord, you've come and you've forgiven us. And Lord, you've offered us that perfect salvation, a perfect saviour. Lord, how we thank you for this cup. The blood of our precious Lord Jesus mm. shed for us, each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, it doesn't end there. Lord, you are making us more like him. But we have to be willing. And Father, often we hold back and we have to ask your forgiveness. There are little sins which cling to our lives, Lord, which spoil your perfect salvation. When we see that our Lord Jesus went to the cross, Lord, there was no room for pride with him. And so there's no need, no room for pride with us. Forgive us when we hold back. But we take this cup, we take it thankfully, Lord, knowing that even though we fall short, your redemption is absolutely pure. Mm. Lord, it cannot be improved upon because you are holy, you are just, and you are pure. Mm. So we bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We give thanks to you. O Lord Most High. Indeed. Amen. Amen. Now as the cups are brought you, please keep the cup and as an expression of our unity, we shall drink of it together. As the cups are being brought, we will be singing on the cross.
on the cross. The words will come up before you and we'll remain seated. So what we're going to do now is think of the old covenant. What shall I render to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And then thinking of the words of Jesus, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of it in remembrance of me. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that in a moment you would send us out in the power of the Spirit. I want to take this moment now just to pray for situations that we are aware of, that we find hard to come to terms with, think tonight of just one family that caught the attention of the media in this country, the family of Anne Maguire, that one teacher in Leeds Roman Catholic School. Think of the family today. We think of the utter sense of bewilderment, profound sense of injustice. And Lord, we think much further afield of the growing conflict between two countries, the Ukraine and Russia. We pray for the church in these countries. And we ask, O oh Lord, that justice and peace would flow. Lord, we have no concept of some parts of the world where it seems that human life is so cheap. We think of that over 2,000 people killed in that avalanche, buried alive. And sometimes it helps us to have a sense of perspective as to where we are tonight. We think of the grieving families in South Korea, many of whom will never have closure, it seems that very disaster and so Lord as time goes on some people will be locked in time gripped by loss and grief we pray that your church would be light and hope and we do pray for leaders of the church oftentimes Lord it's so easy to criticize and yet we pray that within this country and throughout the world leaders will rise to serve you and to sacrificially follow you whatever the cost and for these couples in our church who are getting married we pray that you'll bless them and their families make it to be a real celebration of life and love and new beginnings so we think of all these circumstances and people linked to this church and much wider afield. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, and are assured and confident that you will go before us and open up the way. Lord, would you hear all our prayers 
to all of our longings and desires as we come afresh to you now and give you our praise. Open, O Lord, our lips and our mouths will declare your praise. May it be so for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. May we share in the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.